Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of In Other Words with Danielle and Zara. This is a podcast where we talk about a wide variety of different subjects from friendship to addiction. So in other words, we talk about all All the things. things. Okay, so we are yet again very, very excited for this episode. We have a guest whom you've heard before and she was just so awesome the first time we had to have her on again. Um, So... Crystal, is there anything else you'd like to share? Maybe just a quick recap for those who maybe didn't listen to the previous episode of who you are. Okay, so um, I'm Crystal and I was born in Maritzburg, Peter Maritzburg, um, and that's in KwaZulu-Natal. And I spoke the last time on the issues of human trafficking, how one can identify human trafficking um, and all the things around that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the things around human trafficking (laughs) and also um, what we can do as individuals to just help the situation and be more aware of it. Cool. So do you want to tell the people what we're talking about today? Yes. So if you haven't listened to the episode with Crystal, then you definitely should go check that out right now and then you can come (laughs) back to this one. Um, But today we're going to talk a little bit about emotional abuse in relationships specifically and Crystal is going to share her experience with us which is really awesome. Um, So yeah yeah. you can just kind of start off maybe just before you met your ex-husband and then go from there and share your story and we'll interrupt you if we have questions. Okay excellent. Uh, So yeah I was brought up in a in a uh, good Christian home and uh, my mom and dad were very strict uh, religious go- church going people and so obviously my the things that they taught me were very much in line with the traditional way of, of thinking and also the uh, quite a legalistic way of thinking mm-hmm. and um, so as I grew up I had quite a few questions because I did have a strong relationship with God, but some of the things just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes seemed like what they were telling me to do, I didn't experience, I didn't see that that matched with the Bible completely. Mm-hmm. And then also I'd read the Bible and um, have questions for God, but I felt like with my relationship with God, I could talk to him about it. And when I tried to ask those questions in church, um, it was like no you don't ask that all you have to Mm -hmm. do is just believe and uh, so I went on my own journey of trying to discover God but uh, my upbringing with my mum was very uh, she was very much a right or wrong person there was never Mm -hmm. a gray and so when she uh, discovered her relationship with God she wanted to teach me the right things obviously and so uh, when I was a teenager, she and I was about 10 or 11 years old when she started trying to instruct me or teach me about the birds and the bees um, okay. and <laughs> what the right thing to do is, how to, uh, how to do things in relationship correctly. And one of the things that really stood out was that I shouldn't kiss a guy before I get married. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't uh, get physical with a guy before I got married. And so everything that I experienced from my friendships at school, where they were going out on dates, they were kissing boys, um, they were having fun with discussing their 
their relationships or friendships with mm. boys, mm -hmm. I started thinking I'm a real misfit. And um, I also started uh, doubting, like, what is, is this actually all true? But my desire to be right before God and to please God and to please my parents, especially my mum, mm. were so high that I, I started also believing that I was perhaps wrong and that I was bad because I had these desires that um, I wanted a relationship with a boy. I wanted to also experience what the other girls experienced about like kissing a boy and the excitement mm. of you know, kissing a boy. And I, I just started thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe what my mom is saying is for my protection. Mm. But um, I also thought that, you know, she's trying to take away my fun. But I decided I was going to walk the straight and narrow. But in doing that, um, I the, the self-hatred for having these hormones and sure. having these feelings grew and grew. And um, so I, that's where I think the, the self-loathing came in and hating the fact that I was female because now I had boobs mm, and, you sure. know, boobs were looked at by men. And um, I had a desire to go out with a boy, but my mom had said, don't kiss a guy before you're married. So I thought to myself, if I, if, if, what if I go out on a date with a boy, he's going to kiss me and then I might just like it so much I won't want to stop and then I have done wrong mm. and then I will be wrong. And um, so I made a decision. I wasn't going to go out anywhere with boys and I wasn't going to even hold the boy's hand because then that would not lead anywhere near sex and that would be the end of the story. Mm -hmm. So marriage was um, almost to me the most important thing because when you got married, yeah. everything else was fine. Um, that is so like marriage the narrative. Was like, it's like the end all and be all and like exactly. we strive for marriage and yes. it's supposed to fix everything in our life. Yeah. yeah. And if, I, if I'm married, then I'll be a true lady. I'll be mm -hmm. a true woman who can express all her emotions that I had building up inside of me yeah. that is normal now I realize you know we all have hormones God yes. gave them to us um, but I just I started hating myself for having these hormones and not yeah. knowing what to do with them that's very scary and I think it's almost just in very conservative circles mm. women are almost kind of just seen as a body and all of these things and so we're taught no that's bad so we need to hide these things we need yes. to be ashamed of ourselves but I almost think and you can explain your experience as we get further into your story of just how how do you shift that mindset all of a sudden when you get married from mm -hmm. like I'm terrible to like oh no now it's fine these things are fine yeah exactly and it's a lot of pressure to try and be perfect it is and to be like a um, you know, you've, you've got to be a lady during the day, but then at night you've got to be the sex goddess. And mm. um, <laughs> yeah. so it's the, the pressure is, is huge because one just thinks, so as a female already, you, you have this expectation from a young age, especially mm -hmm. in the Christian circles, because suddenly when you get married, then you can be everything that is supposed to be uh, in a woman. Yeah. Mm. And... So that mindset, um, I 
the, it, it only shifted once I'd been through a bad experience, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. um, to save many listeners from the bad experience, yes. <laughs> um, it, it would be lovely if I, if I could have had this knowledge or this mindset, um, you know, when I was younger or growing up, it would have it would have actually been very valuable to me. So one of the pointers is, is that boys aren't bad and men aren't bad and hormones aren't bad. Yeah. And females, um, us as women, we are so treasured by God and we have such a vital role to play in men's lives. Mm-hmm. And we are beautiful. We are supposed to take care of ourselves and dress beautifully because that's one of the gifts that God has given us to be able to express ourselves in that way. But with that comes a sense of self-respect. If you know Mm -hmm. that you are truly loved by God and valued and that you were born to to be a helpmeet for a man, you and and you were born to express yourself and be there for your own purpose and destiny that God has created. Your identity isn't in your husband. That's it. Who is the better Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You we weren't we weren't supposed to um be there as and only be complete when we've met a man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and amen <laughs> yeah and i think that that's where that's somehow where um my mindset shifted to because everything was based on when you get married then you can do this and this or um you know everybody wants to get married everybody wants to get into a relationship and relationship for me meant marriage because i wasn't just going to go and have yeah one night dating stands wasn't and an date, option dating wasn't yeah. an option yeah so suddenly god was supposed to miraculously drop this man from heaven <laughs> and that's when i think about it now i mean it's ridiculous to think that i that i'd uh, I almost believed that but the, the boys at school would say, Crystal, where's this Greek God? Is God just going to drop him from heaven? Um, and I'd be like, no, he'll, he'll be there at the right time. And I was so serious about it. And they, you know, the, the, the reality of it was that um, I was afraid of, of, of being friends with boys in case I liked them. I was afraid of associating with boys in case they liked me. I was ashamed of my bits, if I can call them that. <laughs> my, my, all my female goodies that are are, are created by God. They these they're beautiful. They're, there's nothing wrong with them, and and they are what part of what makes us women yeah. for the the parts, the roles of mothering and the and the nurturing and the caring and just being there as a. Um, as as a beautiful vessel that God can flow His love through, mm-hmm. so yeah, all, my my idea of men had to change, and this is part of the mind sh- mind shift um, that is is so important for us to know as as women is that men are 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 there as our protectors as um, for in many roles. Um, they, they aren't supposed to be there to run us down. They're not supposed to be there to dominate us. Mm. They're not supposed to be there to um, to play a role in our lives that would control us, our personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, they are supposed to, um, in a relationship form, they are supposed to stand alongside us yeah. and encourage us to be better women. And we are supposed to be in a relationship with them when the time comes 
to also be able to empower them to be mm-hmm. the best person that they can be and um so in other words the sexes is actually no different other than we perhaps play different roles in our relationships and marriages but value we are we are equally valuable in God's eyes mm-hmm. and um we we are equally as important and God does not see one as more important or vital or necessary than mm-hmm. the other. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to speak about when you met your your ex-husband, ex-husband. and how that all happened? And Yes. Yeah. So with this belief that I've just explained to you, these couple of beliefs, um, I believe that I was less than a man. And so I... I would I was at the gym and I attracted a man that um, also believed a similar thing that a woman is less important than so he was uh, a gym fanatic uh, bodybuilder powerlifter to me that was like oh this is a man um, you know he knows who he is he's confident and that to me was like well he, he definitely knows what he wants in life and maybe he'll be able to lead me and guide me. Yeah. Mm. And so I, I, I was quite fascinated by the fact that he asked me out on a date. Mm-hmm. So I'd never been on a date before. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go out on a date with him because by now my family had started thinking that Perhaps there was something wrong with me that I either had no attraction or that I was only attracted to girls. And so they wanted, they were kind of like, what What are you exactly? Like pushing you to, yes. you need to find someone now. Yes. How old were you at the time? I was 19. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the first guy that asked me out on a date, I said, yeah, I'll now go with him because I'd uh, I'd, I've wanted to go out on a date with a guy, I've, but I've just wanted to walk along the straight and narrow. And mm. um, I'd been overseas after earning a bit of money, and I just thought, well, now I'm going to. I've, I've, I'm, the man is still not in my life, mm-hmm. and so maybe I, I should be going on this date. So yes. I did, and then he kissed me, and um, we. I, I then thought, okay, now the man's kissed me. And mom said, never kiss a man before you're married. And so now I've done that. So now this is bad because now I can't kiss another man because then I'm I've indirectly, I'm, I feel kind of committed to this man. Sure. And so that's where the thought processes started going. And because I'd never dated any other guy before and I'd been too scared to befriend any guys um, for those reasons that I'd mentioned earlier, I then thought, well, whatever this whatever happens this man i've got to try and make this work so any treatment that he gave me um whatever he said to me i just thought that this could be normal i don't know Mm -hmm. and maybe it's me that's causing him to say these things maybe it's me that's causing him to to be irritated and frustrated so i blamed everything on myself once again because I was already feeling like something's wrong with me mm-hmm. um, and I was already feeling shameful and so I, I, I took the blame on myself and the, the relationship became more and more emotionally and verbally abusive 
first of all, um, it was just making jokes and fun of me in front of friends and people by saying things like, oh, Crystal knows which bread, which side her bread is buttered on. Even though he would always uh, criticize me, he would flirt with other girls. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was attractive in my, in my youth. And um, I, had, uh, I had a perfect body because I tried to make my body perfect so that I would be acceptable. And um, I, so I, I kept thinking, well, maybe there seriously is something wrong with me because it can't be my appearance that's wrong. Um, so maybe it is something within me that's flawed. And that's what's causing him to think that to make jokes of me like this. Then the, um, the, the emotional games would be played where he'd tell me that I, I didn't, what I was thinking he said was not actually what he said. Mm -hmm. And where he said, where I said he was supposed to be going, he said, no, that's not what he said. It's actually, and he'd twist things. So mm -hmm. the lies, I started thinking, well, maybe I am losing it. So this, with every bit of um, these emotional games and the harsh words that he'd speak, where he'd just make me feel like I was stupid um, and sometimes actually even call me stupid and tell me that I know nothing, um, I it started making me doubt my own intelligence. Yeah. Um, and I thought that Yo, I, I honestly can't be worth anything to any other man either because if he believes this, then maybe all the other men believe this too and maybe that's why I never went on a date. Maybe that's why, um, you know, nobody would have ever asked me on a date. So it's just as well I never tried. All of these type mm -hmm. of things that came up. Yeah. And what was the progression? Because how long were you married for? 13 years. 13 years. Mm. So do, did it get progressively worse? So how soon into the marriage did you realize yeah. things were not? Pretty soon. It was about um, within the first six months. Yeah. I knew even of our relationship, I knew that things weren't right. But obviously it progressed where I, my self-worth was very low. And the way that he then... Um, proposed to me was he in front of um, the the public at the airport because um, I yeah, how actually, can you say no yeah. I'd actually gone to my sister to um, in Cape Town and stayed with her for a bit because I'd found out that once again he'd been unfaithful and um, in our relationship and so I, I I went to my sister and I but even from there I was the manipulation on the phone he made me believe that he was he really loved me and he was staying at home every night but meanwhile you know we, we didn't have cell phones in those days <laughs> and so we had pages and um, you know you'd have to phone a number and it would page the person and yeah. there was never any response I'd phone his home number and he was still living with his parents so um, they said, no, he's not here. So I knew that there were lies being told, but still I couldn't resist the fact that this man might be the only man I ever that would ever love me. Sure. And um, so he came, flew over to, to Cape Town and said, I'll prove to you how much I love you. I'll, I'm, I'm going to come visit you in Cape Town. So he flew over at the airport. He proposed to me um, with roses in his hands. And so all the people that were on the plane, obviously with him walking on with roses, knew what Aww. that, you know, this a special occasion and they'd asked him. And so I said, yes. And then um, fr from there in the marriage, now that he actually had me, 
um, and the, the, the emotional and verbal abuse became far worse because now it was like I was his property and um, now he could treat me anyhow because uh, uh, we were married and he knew mm. that I would never get divorced. Um, that was what I, I, you know, he knew what my values were. He knew mm -hmm. exactly what I believed and how dedicated I was to him throughout our dating periods too. And so um, he, he just, whatever he, he felt at the time, whatever anger he felt, he would let it out on me. And that then he'd come with his, with his apologies. And with those apologies would come like, I promise you, I, I need help. I really need your help. Mm -hmm. And so I felt with my, compassionate, my, my compassion and my unselfishness, I thought of him again. And I thought, shame, you know, it's, it's my duty as his wife to help him and to, mm -hmm. to be there for him and to support him. And so this whole cycle just kept um, repeating itself. And with each cycle, I just started going further and further down into my um, sort of self-loathing because I knew I didn't have the strength to stand up to him and he was he was 145 kgs mm -hmm. um, he was very strong I was afraid of him and just his face and his whole appearance when he came near me I would um, I would just be so intimidated and that that look in my face is what made him realize that he had power and he had control and that just spurred it on and so he would just he would find marks around the house and say look at this this is disgusting what type of a wife are you you can't even keep a house clean um and so i'd say well you know but that was scud you know that was our dog's name and he would he I'd, he'd say i don't care this is why you need to be home at weekends and this is why you need to be home in the evenings so that you can you know clean up and and if friends would phone me um, he would say, this is my time. You can't have your friends phoning you at night. Um, it's my time. And so I'd have to be home at half past five. I'd still have to do the grocery shopping. And if I was later than half past five, sometimes I'd have the key in the, in the door and I could hear the phone ringing at home. And I'd be panicking because now I've got a grocery packet on the one hand, my handbag in the other, and I had a managerial job. And so I'd freak I'd, I'd be literally when I got to the phone, uh, it was dead and I'd phone and I'd ask his, his um, co work colleagues, um, please, can I speak to him? And um, they'd say, sure. And they would have obviously told him, okay, it's, it's, it's Crystal. And he'd just say, no, tell her I've gone. And sure. then he wouldn't come back for the remainder of the evening till about half past nine, ten. Um, and I wouldn't know where he'd been. He wouldn't tell me where he'd been. So it was always a case of controlling me through those games of if you aren't where I want you to be at this time, then you, you're going to suffer the consequences and then it's my fault. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I would then think, yes, it is my fault because I should have maybe made sure that I, I left the grocery store a bit earlier. For church, I, wouldn't, I would always arrive on time, sometimes a little bit later, and I would leave before the service had ended because he would always say, okay, church should finish at half past 10. So you better be home by half past 10. Sometimes if I was a few minutes late or like, you know, I, I couldn't get out earlier, 
um, and I'd be driving and th th there'd be traffic. I'd be panicking because I couldn't get there and sometimes he'd be reversing down the driveway and he wouldn't speak to me, would go away for the rest of the day and that would be my Sunday and I'd be left thinking, uh, I, I should have just, maybe, I should, next time I'll just leave church a bit earlier. I'll, I, I, I just mustn't dilly-daddle. I must make sure that my car is closer to the church all of these these things always making it my fault. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's um, quite rough. And it's almost like textbook um, emotional manipulation. So I just wanted to know, at what point did you realize, because obviously you knew something was wrong, mm. but at what point did you realize that this was actually emotional abuse? Because, you know, it's, it, like physical abuse is easier to pick up on because mm -hmm. like, oh, they're hitting me. This is obviously wrong. But yeah, I've heard from many people that they don't really recognize that this is actually abuse like for a very long time so what was your story there absolutely it was um after i'd actually separated from him oh. that i realized because um, i'd gone to an like an abuse recovery course at famsa once i'd separated and uh, that's when I realized that there is such a thing as emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. um, because at that stage, he was, the, the, physical, um, the physical violence was, was, I could justify those, those times because it was like he was so um, angry mm -hmm. at the fact that I'd perhaps cooked the peas wrong or the, 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 the carrots were, had too much salt um, that that I knew was my fault. I know knew that I'd done that, but mm -hmm. that that he, um, yeah, he, and because of his strength, he just pulled me up, and sure. he said that he wouldn't. He, it was his strength. He didn't realize how strong he was. All he wanted to do was just hold me, wow. my face. So he made excuses for that. And so, um, then when he flung me across the uh, the, the entrance hall door. Um, I mean, on the floor, and I, I actually ended up in the um, the, sli the sliding doors um, leading onto our, our front, uh, our, our entrance hall. There were towels, and so that he tore my t-shirt, and I, I then thought, okay, fine, now I can go to the police. Calmly, mm -hmm. I took my keys, and that's when he also, he tried to stop me, and this was within, I'd say, the last two to three years of um, before I separated. Mm -hmm. And that was when I, I, th I thought to myself, it was after something that my brother had said um, to me. He said to me, Chrissy, I know that divorce isn't on the cards for you, but I don't like what I see in your eyes. And I don't like, as your brother, I don't like the way that you're being treated. Mm -hmm. And he'd come to stay with us for uh, three months while he'd broken off with his girlfriend. And during those three months, he lived on eggshells because he never okay. knew what mood he was going to come home in. And so that made me think, okay, something, somebody else is noticing that something's wrong here. Yeah. Um, I knew something was wrong and something was not, not how it's supposed to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and he said to me, if I as your brother don't like the way you're being treated, how much more doesn't God? Wow. And so that that really struck me because I thought, what do I think about God then if I am believing that this treatment is what I'm worth? And if God's expecting me to be in this marriage, if, um, if my, even my own brother is saying to me, he doesn't like the way that I'm being treated. And my family didn't know anything about what was happening. It was That was the first glimpse from my brother mm -hmm. that he knew because... 
I stayed away from family functions. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did you hide it for so many years? What was happening? Was he a different person outside the home or? Outside the home, he was a charmer, Mm. um, full of jokes. Um, People would laugh. Um, He'd always be very entertaining. Um, And so he was a real um, live wire outside. And so that's why he, his, his, his times that he went out, he chose very carefully. So when he wasn't feeling on top of the world, when he, about himself, he wouldn't want to go anywhere. So I never knew with my friends when I could say, yes, we could go to the bra or mm-hmm. when we could go anywhere because, um, last minute, I'd sometimes have to just cancel and say, um, he's not feeling well sure. um, because the mood at home was just, he would say, why do we even have to go to your friends? I don't even like them. I da, 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 da. Or why do we have to go to your family? And he'd start running my family members down. So um, I always was making excuses for him for family mm-hmm. functions because um, I, and if I told my family anything about, told them the truth or anything that he would say to me or do to me, then I knew that if that my family wouldn't look at him in the eye without sort of having some form of like, you better treat my daughter well, or you better treat my sister well, or having something off, and he would sense it. But even with that, his own guilt made him feel like, um, you know, they're looking at him funny. And Mm -hmm. so I would still get the abuse when I got home, and that was verbal. Um, and usually it was the intimidation of like, he'd get on top of me and he'd just say to me, you know, you're just a useless piece of, of nothing. You're just absolutely nothing. You can't do anything right. Look at you. Even your own family don't even know anything about what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So, um, I knew that if they did know, it would just all be, um, so the, the, the emotional abuse, I only found out once I'd left him sure. and I went to the FAMSA abuse recovery that that what I was experiencing was actually emotional abuse, the sexual abuse um, and obviously the, um, the verbal abuse. Yeah. So I didn't realize that there were all of those type of abuses and the financial abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my case, it was where I had to pay for everything um, for the rates, the insurances for the cars, for um, everything that we had, um, and also the uh, the food. And he paid for the bond, that was it. And he told me that the bond was very high and sure. that that's all that he could afford. But he was earning like double my salary and yeah. some. So I couldn't afford to buy myself any nice clothing. I couldn't afford to buy myself anything because I was, he ate very well because he was (laughs) 145 kgs. So I'd often say, well, I'm not hungry because I knew that I could only afford to buy, say the the packs of of, uh, fish that you get, the crumbed fish Mm -hmm. where you only get six or eight pieces. So I knew that if, if we had to have this twice a week, that there'd only be enough for for him to eat and not for me because he'd ask for an extra piece or he'd say he's hungry and so i would just say i'm not hungry and uh, i wouldn't eat because i was i knew how much was in the fridge Mm -hmm. and so that was that that was in my case the financial abuse where um i never 
he was basically able to buy anything he wanted, but I, I, I couldn't buy myself anything. And I went into, into overdraft quite sure. regularly because the, he'd leave the pool, the water on the hose pipe on all night. So the, 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 the water bill was so high um, because it was running into the pool and the pool was overflowing. But that was for my account, not for his account. Wow. And anything that went wrong in the house or needed fixing in the house was my responsibility to pay for. So if the washing machine broke, if the tumble dryer broke, if um, anything broke in the house, I had to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, and if anything broke outside the house, he would have to fix it. So, um, and I paid for the water and lights as well. So obviously that mm -hmm. was all my responsibility. But for some people, the financial abuse comes in where the, they aren't allowed to work or he prefer yeah. them not to work mm -hmm. so that they don't have money to leave him. Yeah. So it's, it's that financial control and yeah. um, all the, all the wife's money, if she has any, goes to the children or, mm. yeah. I just want to know like 13 years, like how did you cope? You know, cause it sounds like you were living in hell really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, how did you deal? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, the, it was my belief system, mm. um, we're firmly grounded in the fact that um, as a Christian, you don't get divorced. Mm -hmm. And as a wife, you need to love above all things. Um, mm -hmm. You need to submit to your husband. So if you are in any way, if you stand up and even have an opinion or stand up and say, no, I don't agree with that. Or um, in my case where I, I couldn't even say um, like, uh, what you're saying is actually, I don't like the way you're speaking to me. That would, in my mind, um, amount to you being in sub, you being insubordinate. You're being, you're not being submissive. Um, so it, I went, I did go to three different churches, um, at church elders, mm -hmm. um, in in those days. And at that stage, abuse was not really a thing that was spoken about, mm -hmm. and was very much pushed under the carpet. And so I, they, at all three churches, they told me I need to love, love him more because of Phew. what it says in, 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 the, in, in Paul's letters. Yeah. And that, you know, a wife, a husband is drawn to the Lord through a wife's love for him, for, for him and basically her behavior towards him. So that once again added to my feeling of unworthiness and that there must be something wrong with me mm -hmm. because I'm obviously not loving him enough. And yet I was in my, in my, the best to my ability, I was loving him by just being nice, being kind. I was um, going above and beyond sexually because um, now I was his wife, now everything was legal. Um, so even the pornogra pornography that he was watching, and hiding from me um, that I would find it and then he'd say no it was on, on the videos there was videos in those days um, he would he would say no it's it's for the guys at work he just has to copy it for them he didn't know what was in the machine <laughs> and um, then he eventually said well we need to make our own porno movies so what he saw on the pornographic movies is what he wanted me to replicate so that was such sexual abuse because um, I and I did it because I thought that that was my duty as because wife. as yeah. a wife and um, once again it could be 
followed up by scripture that was misinterpreted um, where you know you're not to deny your husband Um, so those scriptures were always brought up in in those days Um, and so it it was just um, I found no help from those sources and Mm. it just encouraged me to believe that I was I was um, there was something wrong with me so when my brother said those words to me it it shifted my mindset about about God and what I really believed about God and Mm -hmm. so that and then my brother and I are very um, we're very much on the same page we we think very much uh, on we're very relational and care about other people's feelings and so when he said that I I thought to myself sure Crystal maybe you need to reevaluate your idea of God and what you you've believed about God and now look at your at at God as how he really is in scripture Mm -hmm. and that's what started my recovery process if I can say that to eventually um so after my brother had said that it was about another three years that I survived or was continuing to to just put up with that treatment Mm. Um, and that's when the physical abuse became evident because then he realized that he could no longer intimidate me I just looked at him with eyes that were like stone cold Mm -hmm. because I'd switched myself off emotionally to him because I wanted to um, now learn more about how did God feel about love what does God believe about love what um what what does god really believe about marriage about wives about husbands Mm -hmm. so i started reading scripture more in context and not just as it is written because then you can take many scriptures out of context and Mm -hmm. that's where many things have gone wrong yeah so how did you eventually get out because i think for so many people it just you feel stuck and it's yeah. just I'm going to be stuck for the rest of my life how do you move out and get out you know and how do you reach a point especially as this very religious person where divorce is just you know we don't say that word yes. you don't think about it how do you gain the courage and what was that process like for you yeah good question to you <laughs> so the um, the, the process happened uh, in the mind shift change happened within those three years where I, I, I suddenly realized God, my idea of God um, is what, what I can work on because nothing else is within my control. Mm-hmm. I can't change him. And um, I, so I, I started then reading scriptures, re- re-evaluating my, um, my beliefs about myself and recognized where those beliefs came from mm-hmm. and recognized that the enemy um well satan basically he's the only enemy and that he was trying to prevent me from actually getting to know god's love and learn about god's love so that i could share god's love and be a vessel of god's love that it was it was um uh being reaffirmed my low uh self-worth and how God sees me was being reaffirmed the lies that I believed about how God sees me that he sees me as less than because of the scriptures that I'd read way back when or the Mm -hmm. teachings I'd received which um, was that there was an equality and a man is up here and a a woman is down here and um, that's why God 
that's why Paul wrote this and wrote that. So um, I had to then and wanted to learn about how God sees me and that value that I saw of how God actually does value women. Mm. That's what started the change process. And with that, I then uh, I then started realizing, okay, I, I, I can, God and I can do this together. And um, so it was believing that um, God is now with me as opposed to God is expecting me to get on the same page as my husband that I've mm-hmm. got to I've got to submit to him I've got to be be a doormat I've got to just do anything he says because then um, he will fight get closer to God and then everything will be rosy mm-hmm. and um, so I, I saw a psychologist mm. and um, when she heard my story she then said to me gee she said no you need to there's so much depth to what's brought you here but what you need to do first of all is you need to just try and get away for a weekend is that possible sure okay. so I um I, I made I said to my ex-husband I said look I I just need a break um it's it's I'm just so stressed that I'm clearly not being a good wife to you so I made it all my fault which I was used to doing so mm-hmm. it was no pretense and I just said I need to get away um, he didn't even ask where I was going to go to. He didn't even know, ask um, how I was going to get there or did I have the money, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Because he'd already, as soon as he heard that, um, he just started, he, he said, yes, no, that's true. Because he, he, he knew now he could go on a big boy's rampage yeah. out and go and, you know, he was already being unfaithful, but I, I couldn't prove it. So he had already made plans. And so um, I, where I went was a friend of mine. Um, she had a, a cottage at the back of her, her property and um, up in, here in Hilton, actually. And so I went and stayed there. But the, the um, psychologist had said to me, um, what, what you do while you're away on this weekend is you write down on paper, make two columns, and on the one side say, what, write down what makes me happy in the relationship. And on the other side, write down what makes me unhappy. Well, I ended up writing four pages, four columns of the right side of things that made me unhappy. And only four points on the left side. And they were just things like, well, he, um, he, he's my husband. And I was always wanted to be married. The other thing was that he's, you know, he, he makes me laugh. And, you know, it was like the other two things I can't even remember, but I really had to dig deep for those. Mm. And the rest I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And so um, I'd made an appointment to see her again on the Monday. And um, before I, I, I told my husband, I'd, ex-husband, I'd be home. And um, so she briefed me and she said, OK, this is what you do. You phone him and you tell him that you'll meet him at the house, not your house at the house and um, then I think you need to separate from him mm-hmm. and because this is if, if your heart was an uh, was was a, a, a body part I would say you needed ICU so you need to take care of yourself yeah. so that started the process and mm-hmm. it wasn't easy from there but it started that process of um, me seeing the therapist then every week 
and her walking me through the steps. But the big thing was that I was willing and and basically needed to say it was me, that I'm, I'm doing this. I really need to just get out of the situation because mm-hmm. I feel so tired, I feel so stressed, and I just need to see what it is about my life mm-hmm. that's making me like this because you don't need to have me as your wife being like this either. So playing into the fact that woe is him if he has to live with okay. a wife like me. Yeah. And that helped me through because I knew from my therapist that she she had told me there's nothing wrong with everything that you're experiencing right now is is not good and mm-hmm. that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with you and the fact that you're feeling like this is wrong. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. So we're going to help fix you. And so I had her as backup that was lifting me up on the one side. And so that enabled me to take the blame or, or make out as if um, mm, yeah, it was all me. Yeah, it's almost like you had to play, play into, into his play game, into, yeah. which yeah. is quite a scary yeah. thing to have to, to do. But yeah. Because if, if, he, if there was any other, if it was any other way, as soon as I showed up a bit strong, then he would try and control me again and manipulate mm. me. And I was too vulnerable. And um, it, it, to, uh, it, he still scared me every time he came near me. Mm-hmm. So um, I needed to act weak in his presence so that I could keep this going until I became strong enough emotionally wow. to deal with separating from him because I was still too vulnerable and one gets caught in that cycle that if you leave too early, which I tried to do numerous times by just going and saying I need to visit my sister and then I could never I, I could never bring myself to leave him because I was caught in that cycle. Yeah. So I needed to change my value of myself how I saw myself so that I could strengthen myself emotionally to stand up to those emotions that said you'll never live without him Mm -hmm. he's you know he's right look at you you can't do anything you can't even stand on your own two feet and Mm -hmm. just this 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 tape record recorder stuck record in my in my mind so yeah Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of people they leave and then they come back and they leave Mm -hmm. and they come back Mm -hmm. but like you said I think there is that that process of needing to work up that strength and figure out like and realize something is wrong and then when you walk away have that strength to to walk away so that when those thoughts come up where I need him it's Mm. like no you've walked a journey and you know you don't yeah Um, because a lot of people blame people for staying in abusive relationships Mm. it's like how could you but when you've been beaten down yeah like yeah. how do you stand up yeah, you know? and they make you believe that no one else could possibly love you mm-hmm. that they're the only ones who can do that so they really get into your mind like that absolutely mm-hmm. and you've lost your support system because exactly they've isolated you okay so being a religious christian person um once you decided to get a divorce i just want to know how that your church reacted to that at the time did you feel um maybe excluded or uh, turned away from the church at all or what was your experience there yeah um that is a, a good question in today's times especially because they even th- yeah in those days um they they almost overlooked it but they at the same time they treated me differently so wow. we we changed 
I changed churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so where we were together, I changed to um, a, a different church, and that's actually when I came to HBC. Okay. So um, they didn't they didn't know me as um, as a divorcee, as or they didn't know my ex husband. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that thing of like, oh, shame, we're so sorry about what happened, or we heard you div- got divorced, and then there was the stigma. Mm-hmm. So I came here as my my parents' daughter, and then it took a while before people actually even knew what yes. what really had happened. Yes. Um, but you know the the stigma that that was attached to divorce because of also my belief systems about divorce that I never wanted to get divorced I'd committed myself forever through uh, for sickness through sickness and health and for better for worse um, but I, I I myself still needed to forgive myself mm-hmm. uh, for for divorcing even though I had all the reasons to it was my promise that I'd made so I I needed to understand again and afresh that God didn't hold anything against me mm-hmm. for getting divorced and that he was far more interested in my relationship with him and my destiny than he was about the divorce mm-hmm. so he hadn't disqualified me because I was divorced he just made a new plan yeah. and that's the amazing thing with God is that I had made a wrong choice in my uh, in, in my husband my ex-husband and that was for my or in my brokenness I'd made the wrong choice because of my belief systems that were off kilter from the word of God and, mm-hmm. and God's actual design for a woman um, I, I had made a wrong choice but God did not hold that wrong choice against me he just made another plan Mm. And so when I got that, um, then I was able to face anybody within the religious circles that uh, would judge me or that would um, even look at me differently or disqualify me from doing certain things in the church, holding certain positions in the church because I was divorced, which sometimes happens in certain denominations. And because I knew that God held nothing against me that gave me the confidence to be able to say okay that's all right and to uh, almost not be affected by the person's reaction I I sometimes could see it on the people's faces and how they would just say almost like okay see you later Um, but although I was disappointed it it didn't damage my self-worth because you knew like I think a lot of people people's opinions matter more than God's, yes. which is, yeah. 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 Um, and then I think one thing I want to ask is how would you advise people now, like in terms of the early warning signs before mm. it gets to the point where you got to, like, what can you look for even before mm. getting married? Um, Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any form of uh, control where your gut feels like, oh, He's trying to control me. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between giving like loving advice for your protection or for yes. your for your care as a friend would. Mm-hmm. But if um, he or she is trying to control you, dominate you, 
um, because I say the she because there's a lot of women now that are yeah. are yeah. abusing their yeah. their partners as mm-hmm. men who are just loving, kind, generous, compassionate yeah. men. So it's not um, abuse doesn't just happen in one sex. Yeah. Yes. Um, so if that person that you are with and that claims to love you, if they are trying to control you through um, the way by telling you what you should or shouldn't wear, mm-hmm. by telling you how you should or shouldn't spend your money, um, by telling you what you should or shouldn't eat, um, by telling you which friends you should or shouldn't see, um, where you should and shouldn't go, um, those are, are key factors of things that um, are an expression of yourself or that are part of your own free choice. And mm-hmm. so when someone that you that says that they love you is putting those haves to, shoulds, musts, don't you dare, those type of demands on you, that's a good um, sign that, okay, this, this person... Um, is could be controlling if you're not sure you can always ask the question like um why would you say that or why why do you think that um why why do you why, why do you think that that person is not good for me so always ask the curious questions why mm-hmm. and then you will get the heart attitude and if it's one of protection okay then you know you can let it go but if it happens again and again then you know you then start let the let the don't push down the warning bells Mm -hmm. um also if um the person the way that the person speaks to you if it's in the the tone of voice can say a lot um if it's speaking to you derogatorily or always criticizing you um criticizing your friends criticizing your family criticizing your loved ones um never not not complimenting you or making fun of you and there's a difference between joking mm. about something that you feel okay about and you joke about it yourself but there's a difference between that kind of joking and where they are almost trying to um you be the laugh at or there being a joke at your expense mm-hmm. because someone that loves you doesn't do that Mm. um there's always a hidden motive behind that either like oh look what i'm with look what i have to cope with or look what i'm i'm dealing with and look at she's look at her she's actually just you know she's stupid or um so if anybody actually makes you feel stupid or feel less than or less valuable or less important than them Mm. or the people that you're with that's also a very clear sign so um a very big thing too is to uh, be aware of somebody telling you that what you have actually said, um, that where they, they make you feel like you've heard wrong, deceived. Um, gaslighting. That, yes, yeah. and not trusting your gut. Mm. So if you know that you know that you know that you heard X, Y, and Z, um, and they're telling you, no, that's not actually what I said, this is what I said, and you know that that's not what they said, trust your gut yeah. and and make a note, even if it's a, a mental note, but even a written note, depends on how far it's gotten in the relationship where all of these flag, flag, flag signs are going up. Um, it, it helps then to make a, a written note of these things because 
when there's love involved, when you're really committed to the person, you you don't want to see these signs. But mm-hmm. when you write them down and they actually there and you recognize, oh, goodness, I wrote this down about three days ago. Oh, I wrote this down last week. This is beca- becoming a bit more too familiar. Then it helps you to trust your gut and to build yourself up as opposed to um, continually putting yourself down and and telling yourself, or maybe you are losing it because did that really happen? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you start doubting yourself. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what's so important to remember, especially as Christians, I mean, it defines love so clearly in the Bible, you know, like love is patient, love is kind, and so on and so on, and that God himself is love. And I mean, if the love or the so-called love that you're getting from your partner doesn't look like that, like it's not love, it's just them controlling you. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I also just wanted to ask, because you are in, you're remarried. Yes. If, yes. yes. So how um, has that been for you? Because I don't know, like, have you ever experienced maybe some PTSD from your previous relationship? And how different is your relationship now to your past one? I can assume yeah. that it's like very difficult to put yourself in that vulnerable position again. Yes. Mm. And it was. So um, the mission work helped. Um, by going overseas and helping other people, helping the girls, um, you know, feel better about themselves and discover their value in God. That definitely helped for me to be less um, sort of vulnerable to meeting another man that, and I would have, would have attracted another abusive man in the early days because Mm -hmm. I hadn't yet fully worked on my self-worth. And they say in the FAMSA course um, that I did, they, they said that you can expect to, you can expect recovery five, um, for every uh, five years, five years for every year that you were married or in the relationship yeah. for recovery. Wow. So I knew that with God, that, that, that statistic could be, you know, obliterated. So I trusted that, but I kept thinking every year I was better off than before. So I, I, what I realized after about the, after I'd done this work in Thailand, I realized that my, I'd, I'd healed quite a lot because I was constantly trying to encourage the girls about their self-worth and how God sees them, that that was repeated into me regularly. Mm-hmm. So that was no longer a, a, a problem. Uh, my self-worth wasn't a problem. But trusting God. (laughs) The electricity's gone off, so if you're watching, just enjoy the darkness. Yes. (laughs) So trusting trusting God's love and trusting love as a process as and trusting my gut for love Mm -hmm. was the tough part. So very long story short, um I um when I uh I got back from Thailand, um my brother introduced me. Um, he actually asked me. So I, the same brother who'd said to me about um, if you, you know, what, what you must, um, if, if I as your brother don't like the way that you be treated, how much more doesn't God? That wonderful brother also said to me that if, um, are you interested in dating again? And I said, yes, of course. I said, I just haven't found the right man, but you know, I, I'm open. He was a and good then, person to trust yeah, in the situation. <laughs> Absolutely. And so he said, well, there's this guy that has just become a client and he's, he's really a, a godly man and um, just seems like a really decent guy. And 
um, yeah, he's established and I think, you know, you guys would get on well. So would you be interested in a cup of coffee? So I said, yeah, yeah, for sure. So he then had spoken to um, Paul in the meanwhile. And he said to Paul, you know, um, how do you feel about dating again? And he said, well, I'm scared, eh? And he'd been he'd been divorced for three and a half years and he hadn't dated anyone else again. He just worked on himself and tried to find out what 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 faults does, did he have that could have caused his wife to leave? And she wanted to go and do caring overseas, so that's what she did. But he he thought, you know, what? Why? Why would she just suddenly want to leave? Mm-hmm. So he spent that time um, just w- looking at himself. And so he said, I don't know how to do this thing. So if she wants to have a cup of coffee with me, then she needs to contact me <laughs> just in case. You, she's only saying yes because you're her brother. <laughs> so he told me this. So I thought, okay, all right. I don't really like doing this, but anyway, I'll do it. And I WhatsApped him. Breaking so, gender roles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the first step. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. God was pushing me my, ba- my boundaries. Yes. <laughs> I only saw that now. <laughs> so um, I did the thing I'd never done before, which was like to try and, you know, initiate. And he, next thing, he phoned and I'm like, oh, he's phoning. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, at least he's got the courage and the guts to actually, you know, yeah. do that. So, um, and then we had a chat and we met for coffee and the coffee lasted like four hours and um, the waitress kept coming back and saying, would you like some more? Uh, would you like some lunch? And we were like, no, I, I, I really need to be going. And he's like, no, me too. And we didn't. So um, that's what started our weekend um, dating, going on dates. And he was just such an amazing man. Um, and the, then yet I doubted my gut once again, about a year into it. My health issues as well, um, I was like, how can I inflict these health issues on such a wonderful man? I don't know where I'm going to be, whether this is going to be something that's going to be permanent or whether God's going to heal me from. I don't know. And anyway, uh, so I broke up with him and um, he just, you know, he just accepted, well, okay. But um, inside him, he just had this belief that I was going to be his wife. Mm. And so a month later, he phoned and said, you know, can we just know, get to know each other again? Just as friends, I really enjoy your company. We laugh well. We just, we just have fun. And I'd love mm. to just carry on doing that just as friends. No pressure. Anyway, we did that. Six months later, he proposed. <laughs> and now we've been married two years on the 16th of May. It was two wow. years. So yeah, we got married during lockdown. Love. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think something that you mentioned there is so important is even when he contacted you, he said, I miss your company and you were good friends. And I assume that that was what was a big part that was missing in your first. Absolutely. Your first Mm. marriage. Yeah. This is so, I had this idea that, you know, the, it, it needed to be this like major attraction, like magnets, like in the movies, you know, and I always had these expectations of romance being, you know, you kiss and you go off and you you know all these things that that a romance novel or romantic movie um would show you and yes that can be and is a healthy part in younger relationships but now as i've grown older 
our relationship that we have right now is truly so based on a good solid friendship and being able to banter almost where yeah. <laughs> I'm not afraid to voice my opinion mm, which I've yeah. never done before wow. and because he was a man I could never speak my mind and now he allows me to and yeah. yet he loves me he loves everything about me he he loves me I mean we had an uh, I'll share this very quickly <laughs> but we had uh, you know he loves his cooking and I tried to make a dish for him and I can make standard meals and mm -hmm. I used to do all the cooking but in my in my ex in my previous marriage and my cooking skills were quite good I thought but I'd lost confidence over the years with all my mission work I didn't need to cook mm. so my confidence levels were a bit low but still I've, I made a dish that's quite nice and it's liked by other people but because he's such a wonderful cook um, I, I was feeling a little bit insecure within myself and I was like you know do you like the dish is it nice he says yeah it's nice and then the next when we when I made it again he added his sauce that he makes and it's delicious it's mm. an amazing sauce he's an Italian cook <laughs> um, and so he added the sauce so when I said to him um, you know like how's 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 the dinner and he said Mm, it's nice. It's the sauce that makes it. Oh, well, no. That was it. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I then, it took me a few mouthfuls before I then said, can I just say something? I said, this mince dish is that your sauce that made it. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that because it, um, I like, I like it. It made it, it tastes like babuti. So I said, okay, so next time I'll make babuti then. I won't make my mince dish. And he was like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Oh, I, 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 I didn't mean to say that. Next time I'll just shut up. So I said, no, I don't want you to shut up. I just want you to say what you say. So he said, well, that's what I did. And then I'm like, okay, all right. And I carried on. And then I'm like, oh God, what have I just done? I've it's my insecurity. It's yeah. me feeling low about myself today. And so I was able to then say to him, you know what, my love, I'm sorry. What's going on in my head today is this. And so I just needed you to say, yes, the dish is wonderful. And because I didn't get that, I immediately thought your cooking is so good. Mine is not as good as yours. And so already I was just feeling insecure now about my cooking. And it just went, and he's like, no, 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 but it's not. And I said, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it was just, it was uncalled for what I did. And um, I'm sorry. And so we were able to then just kind of laugh about it and mm, say, yes. oh, I'm sorry you were feeling like that. And so that's genuine. You, I can be free to say what I'm saying. I can be free to like be, uh-huh, well, yes. <laughs> and, you know, get a little bit feisty. Yes. And he's not intimidated by that. And yes. so that was just such a relief. And yeah. from a, 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 an emotionally abusive situation where that person would have just lambasted me and told me how awful you know what what do I think I can cook anyway for or you know none of your dishes are actually good anyway and I just keep quiet you know that could have been the 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 opposite which is mm -hmm. what I was used to and here this man just loves me and I get to experience every day what it means to be loved by a man and um that's what God promised me would happen many years ago that he would show me practically through a man what his love is like and now that prophecy has oh. come true mm. wow well what a nice way to end the episode <laughs> yeah. awesome thank you so much crystal this is awesome Pleasure. and yeah i really hope that some people really 
if you are in that situation, begin to notice, oh, this sounds a little bit too familiar yeah. to me. Um, yeah, or we can just show compassion and actually believe people mm. when they say they're in an abusive situation, not to the point where they have to wait till they're hit yeah. to yeah. say something. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> cool, yeah. Thank so you <laughs> for having me again. Awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, we'll catch you in the next episode exactly we sorry, can do we our outro what is our outro oh yes yeah, sorry <laughs> guys if you loved this episode remember that sharing, sharing is, is caring. caring so share this with all your friends mm -hmm. amen okay cool. bye, bye guys bye